the unofficial lounge with Ashante, Craybon, and Monty. We're here to give you the insight into some of the biggest plays you remember involving the people wearing the stripes. We look at the grit it takes to become an official while exploring the history of officiating with the people who made it. It's more than black and white. On this episode, we have Pac-12 referee Michael Mothershed. And, you know, my wife really supports, you know, football and, and what I do. I don't think you can do it unless you have the support because it can create too many, too many issues. So I have the support of my family, um, and that's great. Mr. Mothershed talks about what the motivation was that helped him get back on the field after a debilitating injury. You know, a person said, I don't think you'll ever be able to run again. That motivated me more to prove that person wrong, you know, because you have people like that. And it's like, no, I'm an athlete. I'm going to get back on the field. And finally, Mr. Mothershed talks about the tough choices that have to be made in this game. But you got to go where your opportunities are. And you got to yeah. go where your chances are best to move up. You really yeah. do. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Unofficial Lounge. We are joined today by one of the premier referees in all of college football, a man, in my opinion, that it took too long for him to get that white hat on his head. But we are welcoming to the lounge today, Mr. Michael <laughs> Mothershed. Here we go again, man. <laughs> We have issues issues with intros. He didn't put any light on it. We have one of the Pac-12 premier referees. I said nation. I said he did say nation. I'll give him that. Uh, No, we put it premier officials in the nation. That's what I said. Both BCS appearances, um, whatever you name. Mr. Michael Mothershed. You, you know what? You know what? I should let you do the intro because, you know, you're going to try to kiss up to him this whole damn show since you got to work with him. Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe you should maybe you should do the intro since you're going to be kissing up to him all show long. Michael How Mothershed. Doing, Mr. Mothershed? Yeah. How you doing, Mr. Mothershed? I'm doing, doing well. I'm doing, doing well. Well, welcome to one of our great interests, as you can see there. They they always try to get me to redo it, but we're just going to punch right on through. And we really appreciate you, Michael, giving us your time to come on to the show and uh, just talk about Michael Mothershed and your life and journey of football. So we ask everybody to get started. How did you get started in officiating? Well, you know, thanks for, for having me. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I got started – I had just worked for um, a company and um, a company left San Diego. So I started working with another uh, insurance company and this was back in the, uh, in the mid eighties. And I had a, uh, another supervisor that I worked with and I, you know, I was thinking about getting involved in sports, getting involved particularly with football. And I found out that her husband was a basketball official. And so I uh, asked her to ask him to get me a contact for football. And uh, so he did. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how things got started. So, you know, I, that year I called and, 
you know, found out when they started the classes here in San Diego and, uh, you know, started working Pop Warner at 9, 11, 1, whatever. And uh, that's how I got started uh, as an official. So were you, what age was it? What, what about round age what, that you got a, got the bug? You know, you know, I really, I started late. I started when I was uh, about 30 years old. So oh, I wish I would have got it started earlier. And actually when I was in college, I did uh, some refereeing with uh, flag football in a, a men's league. And, uh, and I wish as soon as I would have, you know, after I graduated and came back to San Diego, would have gotten started at that point. But, uh, but I'm glad I got started anyway. Okay. So are you a San Diego native? A born and raised. Yes. Yeah. Born and raised. Okay. What high school did you go to in San Diego? You know, you guys got some, some well-known high schools out there. True. I didn't go to one of those. I went to Hoover, <laughs> I went to Hoover high school. Um, you know, I lived in a district to go to Lincoln. Um, but, uh, you know, back then, you know, it was an opportunity for us to go to various schools within the county. So, you know, my parents. Your mama and daddy told you you wasn't going to Lincoln. You was getting busted the other side of the county. That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> Absolutely. That's what happened. That's what happened. So, uh, um, you know, I had experience for me. It was, it worked out very well. Hoover was very good to me. So I, I, I can't complain. I can't complain. And did you participate in sports when you went to high school or college? Uh, yeah, I am both. Uh, and in high school, I played, uh, played football, uh, played basketball, played baseball for two years. And then my senior year, I just played uh, football, uh, basketball, and I ran track. Got you. All right, so hold on, hold on, Go. hold on. You, you track. So what was your event? We, we have to ask any track person. What was the event? You know, I, I ran low hurdles, and then I ran uh, 400 meters. Let's, hold on. Let's go back. Yeah. I don't even know what people, what is, what are low hurdles. Is that what yeah, Jesse you, Owens ran? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's like the okay. 300 hurdles, right? So so they had they had they had high hurdles, 110, and then they had yes. 180 low hurdles. Yeah, you know, I, I know that's that's way back when. Yeah, you know, I probably didn't have those when you guys grew up. You know, just had the 110 <laughs> hurdles. So I heard but, of a low uh, hurdle. I never heard of the 180. Yeah, no, the 180. Uh, Low hurdles. Uh, that's that's a they new did. event for me. I never heard of that one. Yep. But you know, you you did that in the fifth grade, though. So it was. Now, Michael, how long into your officiating career did you see that it was an opportunity to do something beyond high school and you know youth and Pop Warner? You know, I I, I to be honest, I never really looked at that you know i mean i just you know my goal was you know working pop warner and then you know getting on a, a high school crew um and i just i really didn't think about okay college or you know geez you know i could become a professional i didn't really have that mind uh but i i worked pop warner uh after my first year the second year i actually got on a high school crew with uh, great referees. I worked with Andy Castanola, who was uh, a great official. I worked with Steve Coover. Um, you know, Don Carey um, was my mentor and you know, still is today and was a big help once I became eligible to, to work NC2A. So the way it was structured down here, you had to, you couldn't get into uh, junior college until after uh, your fifth year. 
So, you know, I had, I had to wait, which was good, you know? Um, but, you know, my goal was just, you know, get on a high school crew. And then at that point, okay, become a white hat, you know, uh, on a crew. And so those were my, those were my goals. And, you know, I was very fortunate. I think my actual fifth year, I got on a crew, a JC crew. And, you know, here in San Diego, we were able to work, we had control of USD. So I was able to work, you know, some USD games along with, you know, working games at Mesa College or Southwestern or Grossmont. So things went very well for me. And, um, you know, Don worked in the Big West. He got into the Pac-10 at the time. And his third year, after his third year, he was gone. Um, I had the opportunity to go up to SC and work a scrimmage along with 10 Pedraza and, um, you know, another um, great official who is now a coordinator official in the SEC. And, uh, you know, it was John Pemberton was there. And John looked at, hey, I'll take any one of those guys. Not only that. (laughs) Hold up. He's dropping, he's dropping um, humble, humble buttons right there, Monty. We got to we gotta hit the button on him. Those names he just dropped there. And you said you worked with a young Steve Cooper? <laughs> uh, I did Steve Cooper. Uh, I did a young Steve Cooper. Steve was my referee. Um, it kind of, you know, kind of terrified me a little bit, you know, because Steve was very, very businesslike. And, you know, I always made sure that pre-games I came prepared and I had my, uh, my pre-game information ready to go. So, uh, I was fortunate. Michael, now Michael, Mm -hmm. let's, let's talk about at the time you had to wait five years to be eligible to even work a small college, junior college ball. Now you have guys that starting out in year three, if they not division one, they, they ready to step away. I mean, what made you keep going after that? I mean, cause you know, you have individuals now, they five, six years in, they think they supposed to be, you know, working on a national TV game already. Well, you know, you know, patience and, and just really, um, getting better. Um, you know, I, I knew I wasn't ready. Um, but I think, you know, you just have to, you know, you have to do your best. You know, I started off as a, uh, you know, headlinesman, you know, and NC2A. And it's like going back over to junior college. Now you're on the line of scrimmage and you transition from there and then, you know, working deep again. So it was different. Um, and it didn't bother me, you know, because uh, like I said, I wasn't really looking for that next level. I was just, you know, I was there. I wanted to, to do well. So I didn't think about, you know, got it, you know, getting into, you know, the pack or getting into, you know, the whack or something like that, that hadn't occurred to me. It hadn't occurred to me. And I think that was a good thing because then I just worked on being the best official at the level that I was working. But you can attribute that to also, he started out late. You got, you got guys in the mid out of high college. That's like, okay, I want to start to, you know what I'm saying? Because they haven't found a career path yet. So I think, like I said, as we always mess with you, Craven, when you got your mama house and got your own bills, you're a little bit more relaxed. 
Hey, you know, <laughs> I, I was I was out my mama's house and I I was still relaxing. You know, it t- it took a long it took a long time to get where it's going now. But you know, nowadays people don't even you know they two years in and they ready to quit high school and just work college ball now. You know? They probably still in their mama's cell phone plan too, the family <laughs> cell phone plan. So, so Michael, you know at, the, at so, that time, did they not? They didn't have uh, camps and all those other things, did they? You know, I, I went to a couple of camps. I, oh, you know, okay. Tony Carini used to uh, put on a camp at UC Riverside. So I went to that camp. And, you know, he had everybody there. You know, Mike Pereira was there and some others. And so, I mean, there was good instruction. And that was a week long. So I, I was able to attend that. Uh, and that was very, you know, very helpful. Coming from that San Diego unit like you did, Michael, that was some great instruction there. I mean, San Diego, uh, you could just – name drop, name drop at the name drop, probably during the time that you came through of guys that were either on their way to the NFL or in Division One, and so on. You had the Carey brothers. I mean, the list yeah. goes on and on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we were very fortunate to have, you know, some good officials. And then some that stayed in high school that should have gone on that would have been great, you know, NC2A officials or maybe had the opportunity to go to the NFL. Right. So we're very fortunate, you know, with uh, the quality of officials that we have here. Uh, and a lot of those guys are still assisting and still helping out. So I think that's, uh, you know, speaks well for uh, officiating in San Diego. Okay, let's, let's, um, because I guess start also noticing with the lack of, even across the country, guys going into officiating, how's that impact your, that San Diego area? As far as, Getting new, get, getting new people because your, your areas used to be a breeding ground of like, it used to be almost like what, 30 crews or something. So what's the impact of that? You know, it's, 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 it's slowed down. Um, and you know, they're getting, you know, some good officials, but you know, the numbers are down, you know, the numbers are down. And, and, and sometimes I just think that's, just the way, you know, things are, you look at the economy, you're looking at, you know, the pandemic now that's had an impact, but I still think we have a good core uh, of officials here that you'll see, you know, an NC2A and you might see a few of them down the road uh, in the NFL. Is there a change in philosophy of kind of what we need to do to attract new people? Um, I, I think we can probably do a better job. Um, you know, I think we could, you know, probably talk to, you know, kids coming out of high school. I think we can talk to go to the colleges and talk to, you know, seniors who aren't going to go on to another level who still want to be associated. So I think we can, we can do that. And I think some officials are, um, they are reaching out. Um, but I think it just uh, we can do a better job uh, in that so that we can make sure that we always have a good, solid base of officials. Now, Michael, going back a little bit, you said you had an opportunity to work a scrimmage at USC. Was that kind of like your first time uh, realizing that the you know next level of you know college football was available to you was, you know, possibly an option? Yeah, I mean, that, that definitely was. And um you know, I was just ecstatic. You know, I'm going to PSC, you know, and uh, it was like, okay, just, you know, kind of keep this to yourself and <laughs> you're going up. So I was just, you know, it was like, wow. I mean, just kind of blown away, you know, and, 
know, you're, you're, you know, you're a little nervous. You go up there, you're on the field and you say, God, look at this person. Look at that person. You know, I know, God, look at that. You know, I'm just, I saw him on TV. And so, you know, you see that. And, uh, you know, after a while it's like, okay, it's, it's, it's just football. It's an opportunity. And, um, so it, you know, it was, um, it went well, things went well. How is your professional career trading along with that, along with, you know, you moving up and you put more time into football. How's your professional career and in home life transitioning with that? Um, you know, it was, um, and, and talking about home life, um, I, I think it was, it was good. Um, and, you know, my wife fully supports, you know, football and, and what I do. I don't think you can do it unless you have the support because it can create too many, too many issues. So I have the support of my family, um, and that's great. Uh, work-wise, um, you know, I worked for the government. So uh, one of those things that I had to do every year was that this was considered outside employment. So I had to get approval each and every year at the beginning of January, uh, in order to work. Um, so I, you know, it's one of those things, if you had a boss that you know, didn't care for you, it didn't like what you were doing. I mean, they could easily say, no, you know, I'm not going to approve it. So, yeah, I was, I was very fortunate. Um, and, uh, in being allowed to, you know, continue and do this and, you know, very, uh, very grateful that, you know, a lot of people, like football. And then when football season was around, you know, they were saying, Hey, you know, where are you working and doing this? So uh, I had really good support from people at work. Yeah. It's a funny thing about that, that doing those disclosures. Yeah. <laughs> so, cause with me, I, with, with, I work, I'm a government employee. It, the good thing is this is not, doesn't, this is not engineering. So like you said, mm-hmm. it's allowed, and I'm so I'm not working right. in my field. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I initially had to go talk to somebody. Like, uh, but the the hard part is the travel. Like, okay, how are you gonna? Because as you're transitioning work, you got to take those times off, and people don't. Man, y'all back. get plenty of time. Use it or but, lose it. Man, but quiet. back in his day, they didn't have computers, so he had to be at work. No, 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 no. You know, and oh, so we, we had we had to we had to be in the office. Yeah. Um, you know, because some of the you know it was just it wasn't a type of job where we could work from home. You know, so we had to be there. Um, you know, we had our. <laughs> They, had, they like, had computers. They were just real big. They was probably they about was size dressers. You know, road, word, yeah, word, no, word no, no, processing. No. Yeah. And then some of the information is, you know, it's it's classified. So, you know, those systems are properly secured at work and, you know, and, and rooms um, that are secure. And, you know, so you have to go in those rooms to be able to use that equipment. So, you know, you can't take that stuff home. You can't work on it. So, yeah. Um, it's just, you know, being able to, to work. And then, you know, you build up. So that's one of the things that I did that I was able to do that. Um, I will, you're probably not aware of this, but when I got into the pack 10 for the first five years, I had a partial schedule. I did not have a full schedule. So for the first five years, I only worked anywhere from four to six games a season, which was really oh, wow. hard. That was that very was really hard. popular. That was that was like the way to get in. Yeah, at that time, yeah. right? It was like partial schedule. Yeah, yeah, it was. Well, what was the reasoning for that? Why why did they 
only want uh, want you on so many games. It was just transitioning you from, you know, wherever you came from and getting acclimated to working <laughs> in the Pac-10. You know, the coordinator official was, at that time was Burl Sorgan. And actually that was better than what it had been in the past because in the past they brought guys in and they worked chains. They work on the field unless one, you know, got injured. Oh, wow. So, you know, he slowly but surely transitioned and just brought uh, officials in on a part-time basis. And, you know, you had to prove yourself. You had to prove yourself. And some guys did not make it. So with with that um, partial schedule, what other conference were you working with? Were you still going back and doing small local college here in Southern California? Or were you working Mountain West? or you know, Yeah, I another- was – no, I was just doing, you know, some local uh, – I had some local games that would be mixed in. Uh, maybe USD and uh, a couple of JC games to, you know, have a full schedule. But, you know, that's just the way it was. And, you know, so maybe, you know, I might work maybe eight, nine games, you know, total. But it was just hard uh, from a standpoint of working in the pack. You know, you work a game in September. You might not work another game until October. Maybe you had two in a row. Then you were off for a couple of weeks. Then you had another you know, two games, maybe November. So you, you, you had no consistency, continuity and in, in, in working. And, you know, that, if, it, it was hard to do that. It was hard to do. And you were splitting, you know, I split with another official at uh, the field judge position. Oof. Yeah, that, that would be tough working on, you're, you're always with the same crew, but you're mm-hmm. breaking up, you know, weeks at a time. That, that would be right. a little uh, different trying to get used to that flow because if they go a couple of weeks in a row without you, you know, it's kind of a little bit of rhythm built up. And then now here you come in and, you know, we got to start all, not start all over again, but it's a, it's a little different rhythm sometimes when you interchanging pieces. Yeah. It's late so in the season. That's true. Championship so, weekend. <laughs> uh, so you, you skipped. So how did you get that phone call to the pack? Like you, you're working hard Juco and what are you doing is um, sky ball. At the same time? No, no, I didn't. I, you know, I, I would not, looking at things today, I probably, I would not have gotten in. So I was only working uh, junior college football. I went up, I worked USC, a scrimmage, and then I got invited to work a, uh, a scrimmage at UCLA. And at that scrimmage, they had other individuals that he had invited uh, to participate and Burl Sorgan came down and, you know, I worked a scrimmage and thought things went well. You know, he talked to us afterwards. And then I think later on in, in April, you know, I got a call on an evening from Burl Sorgan and he said, hey, I'd like to welcome you and appoint you to the Pac-10. And that's, that's how I got in. So I only worked USD or junior college football. I was not in another conference, and so I was very fortunate to get in the way that I did. That was not Hold on. <laughs> he came, that's another one who came off the street. This off the street. This hey, I, I you know I just I just worked this gross my game. Yeah, now I'm about to go over here and work this uh, yeah. USC UCLA game real quick, y'all. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, all you yeah. that showed up for this invite. Sorry you came. He had his best knickers on that day. That's what got him in. <laughs> yeah, it was must nah, have been something. You know, did, did you have to? Did you have to 
the the knickers on or did you have the stirrups on? No, nah, wait a minute, wait a minute. I had the knickers on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, that had to be an exciting phone call when you got it. Even though you, like you said, you wasn't prepared, it was just something. So Yeah. It happened about nine o'clock at night, you know, and it's like wow, you know, and it's yeah, and, and it was just it was great. I, I yeah, I couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Who did you tell first once you got the call? Well, my wife was right there, so I told her. <laughs> she was the first person I told. He had to, yeah, Quavo. It was a 9 o'clock then, at yeah, night I call. Told, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was 9 o'clock. Yeah. He was you at 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, you know, that and I told my family and, uh, yeah, I told some people at work and stuff like that, so. Um, that was, you know, it was great. It was just, you know, just unbelievable that, you know, that had happened at that point, you know? So, so that, so that's, uh, what year was that? It was 1995, 1995. And you are still boss balling in the pack 12, 27 years later at the highest level. Wow. That is something (laughs) serious. Let's go back. So at this time, so you were, were you doing um, San Diego state scrimmages? Uh, I may have done maybe a couple of those, but not, not really, not a whole lot. Yeah. Not a whole lot. Oh, cause I was about to say you probably was Marshall Falk out there when you was out there scrimmage. Uh, you know, I did, I did work one of his scrimmages. Um, okay. when they went to the, um, um, I think they went on the Marine base up in Oceanside and they worked a scrimmage up there and I was invited to go up and work it. So yeah, okay. yeah, he was on the team at the time. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we I, I won't I won't get on you too bad, Michael, because you know you 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 are a, a veteran in the game when it comes to the Pac-12, which is is it's nice to have. I, I tell anybody uh, whatsoever, it's always good to have somebody that's there that you can count on that you can ask questions to that's been through a lot. I mean, you've been through what six supervisors now since you've been a part of the pack. Um, yeah. Four, four, actually okay. four coordinators of officials. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's, you know, it, it, I've seen a lot of change. Right. Um, yeah. I've been on the field with some great, great players, you know, uh, you know, John Robinson was at USC at the time. Terry Donahue was still at UCLA. Oh, I think when I came in in 95, I think that was, um, I can't, uh, Keyshawn Johnson's last year, you know, at USC. So I got a chance to be on the field with when he was still playing at USC. Wow. So, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's a while. <laughs> that's right. a while. That's, that's <laughs> right. Now, what 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 was the first bowl assignment you received, Michael? Everybody remember that first bowl game assignment. So, what was your first bowl game? You assignment? know, our in, in the pack, the the first assignment that you got as a bowl was always the East West Shrine game. So, in two thousand, I worked the East West Shrine game, and um, up in San Francisco. So that was you know that was great because you're working with all these different you know college athletes you know from different schools. That's the best. So that was best. my first. Best of the best of there. Yeah. Hold up. Yeah, so that was- See, you, you, y'all didn't pick up on that. He said, how many years were you on um, part-time? 
95. Okay, 95. So in 2000, that was his first full season in, and he got a bowl game. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's good. Wait, hold up. They had to reward the part-timer. Okay, so that hard work paid off. So the person you shared with, did they still were they did they become full time also or how did that work? Was right. the transition? Um yeah, we both did. Um okay. so and we both in two thousand is when we both, you know, got full full schedules. And um, you know, did well. And uh, you know, it's just one of those things that you have to you have to continue to to work hard. And uh-huh. you know, it, you can't just I'm in and I'm going to stay here. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, that's the hardest know. part, staying. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, because people, people be talking about it at the end of the year. I remember after my first year, and I was like, oh, I didn't get a bowl game. And um, the friend of the show, Chuck Stewart, said, yeah, but they calling you back next year. That's the most important thing. I go, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? That's very humbling when you don't get a bowl game and your buddies are working and you're at home watching them. And I, you know, I, I've had that feeling a couple of times and it's like, no, I, I don't want that feeling again. Cause I know what it's like and you got to wait a whole year. Right. Right. You right. know, before you're back on the field, you know, to work on it. And, yes, and that's, man, that's very, very difficult to do that. And you got to stay focused. So I, I know that feeling and it's not a feeling that, uh, that is nice. You know, it's very humbling. It, it, makes, you can't it, control makes that. it makes the off season seem so much longer, even though it's only a couple extra weeks that you're off, but it makes the off season it seem just super long when you don't get no, it does. Yeah, it does. Call. Yeah, it does. It does. And we're I think we're we're better situated now because we get more bowl games. But that back then you didn't get a lot of bowl games as a conference. And so maybe you got two you know, or maybe you got three. And a lot of times mm-hmm. we had three, but one of those was the East West Shrine. So you look at the other two and the number of crews, you, know, you have seven crews. So, you, you know, you don't have a lot of opportunities to, to work a bowl game. It, so you have to work at getting better and better, you know? Okay. So, but that was back then. It was like 20, what, 15 to 20 bowls games. It was like 58 now. So, <laughs> if you didn't get one this time, it's like, hey, that's something wrong. That's a, that's a, like, I, I know how much you guys get. That's a rich person problem. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> You're coming back. So, yeah. But, you know, you still, you can't take it for granted. You, you really okay. can't. Yeah. I got you. But, okay. So, you're transitioning. You working on it, like you said, you're full time coming in the crew. Are, is there other avenues, other um, like the other sports ventures coming no, about? No, no. I, I just I just did football. I mean that takes up a lot of your time. Gotcha. And you know, other guys will do basketball and so forth. But no, I felt comfortable just doing football, so all my energy was in into football. Got you. And also back then, in that point, like the tight shirts wasn't in, so you people weren't getting their tape, their shirt extra small, right? You just you just got it off the rack. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I I did, I did not hear your everything that you said. 
No skinny You're shirts back then. I'm breaking up a little. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we he, he yeah. was asking a question. We get on everybody nowadays. We do these extra medium shirts. You know, back then was everybody going to get their shirts tailored in that extra medium size? No, no, uh-uh. no. They you didn't do that. No, you didn't do that. You didn't do that. <laughs> no, that, that that wasn't going to happen. You know, and there was one supervisor that said you know, to get shirts that fit. <laughs> he didn't like, you know, having shirts that were tight. And he, he made that clear to everybody, everybody get shirts that fit, you know? So at 20, doing 20 plus years, 27 years at this high level, what, what are the big differences that you've seen from when you started to now? It, it was, it was, family came when I came in, um, you know, and, and that's, that's the big difference now. You know, I, my, my son was born in, uh, 1993 and, um, you know, shortly thereafter, once I got in, you know, down the road, then, you know, my wife and son would go with me and officials got to know your family members, you know, your yeah. wife, your kids, and you see them grow up and we, that doesn't happen anymore. Um, we don't see that, um, you know, families are included sometimes, but not always. So it's a difference. It's, it's just not, uh, as family friendly, I think sometimes as, as it used to be, you know, and your kids would go to go to dinner with, with the crew. And, um, you know, my son knew Fred Gallagher and he, he said, Hey, Michael, my name, Michael. And, and Fred said, Hey, Hey, Michael, Michael, um, and you just don't, you don't have those types of relationships anymore. And, uh, you know, that's what it was all about. It was about family. It was about working a ball game, then going to dinner and, uh, you know, having everybody included. And we, we've gotten away from that. We've gotten away from that. It's a business trip now. Yes. Yes. It, quite, quite so. Now, let's rewind back a little bit. So your career is progressing along in the Pac-10 at the time. And you get invited to be a part of the original XFL. How was that? Um, you know, I just, I got a call and, uh, you know, they said they're going to start this new league, the XFL. And are you interested? And at the time, uh, Carl Paganelli was in the supervisor of it. You know, I didn't buy it. And I mean, it was... You know, it was like, wow. Uh, I mean, I just, I, I couldn't believe it. Me, <laughs> you know, getting invited. <laughs> and um, so, we're, I mean, you know, we went to Las Vegas for a whole week and, you know, had a clinic. <laughs> and um, I tell you, there are guys in that class that year that went on to the NFL. You know, Michael Banks, uh, Jerry Bergman. Um, God, I can't think of a guy that uh, is, he's retired now and he's off the field, but he's on CBS uh, with replay and he also does basketball. Oh, uh, Gene Steratore? Uh, Gene Steratore. Yeah, Gene Steratore was part of that group. So I, there were, and some other officials, there were probably about eight guys that got picked up into the NFL from the XFL. And uh, there was a lot of lot of talent. Uh, Dino Paganelli was part of that, right? And um, and, and some others. Um, 
but those are the ones that I can, you know, just kind of think of. So, um, but yeah, I had a lot of good talent, a lot of good talent. Greg uh, Steed was a part of that as well. Uh, the back judge out of uh, the Maryland DC area. Uh, we were on the same crew together, you know? So uh, it was, uh, it was a lot of good talent, a lot of good talent. Now, how was that first game in the XFL? You know, they had all those crazy rules where, you know, they were wrestling for the ball before, you know, to determine who kicked off and so on. It was, you're working deep. There's no fair catches, right? I mean, they had all kind of rules to, you know, make it, it mean, was, tough football. It was great. It was great. Um, we actually, TV wanted to see how this was going to play out. So we actually had a, I guess you could say a practice game in Las Vegas, because they wanted to see how this was going to play on TV. So Las Vegas had a team, and somebody came in, and so they played a played a regular game. You know, it was like a preseason game there. That's where we had a guy that came in, and he said, you know what? What do you think about having these different names on the back of the jersey? Oh, yeah. That's where that came from and during that game. And uh, they decided they wanted to do that. And, you know, I mean, that's some good things. Some things are crazy, you know, for the coin toss. You know, you have two guys run 10 yards and see who get the ball and they win the toss. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that was that nice was girl. different. Um, but we actually we actually we had some good players. Uh, we had some guys that, you know, after that year got shots with the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron Smart, the guy who had he, he hate me. me. He hate me. Yep. And uh, you had the quarterback that was from um, guy went to UCLA. And I can't think of his name. He got a chance uh, shot with uh, with Pittsburgh. Yeah, so Maddox, Tommy know, Maddox it was. Yeah, Maddox. Yeah. Um, so it was it was good. Yeah, it's, they had some good talent. They had some players that you know it uh, revitalized their career where they could get back in the NFL and, and play a few more years. So I think so. Um, it was it was great. Some of the technology from the XFL is still going on. I think that was the uh, cameras on the pulleys coming across. The, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, all that, that, stuff that one. And there. then they also the had cam, yeah. the other guy who had the camera who would go onto the field. Right. You know, That's they have right. a little bit That's of that right. still on the sidelines. But, you know, there were a lot of good things that came out of the XFL that, you know, were adopted by the NFL. And they're they're using those things today. Yeah, Absolutely. So you're treading along in the XFL, you're having a good time, and then you, you have a game in L.A. and you, you suffer an injury. Talk to us about yeah. that. Well, you know, that was, um, you know, having that happen and into your third, my third game, and I thought things were going well, um, and all of a sudden that happens. And then you start thinking, okay, is this it? Is this the end of my football career? Am I going to be able to get back, you know, uh, to officiating? And, you know, having that injury in both legs took some time. Uh, like I said, I was, I was home from work for three months. I had leg braces. I had a hospital bed at home. Um, couldn't go anywhere. Couldn't do anything. So a, a lot of responsibilities uh, were taken on by my wife, uh, and you know she was working. She was a teacher, so it was uh, it so, was a little it was stressful. So Michael, uh, and, we talked about this before the uh, podcast started. Uh, what were those uh, injuries for the uh, people listening? Uh, I ruptured my quad tendons. I ruptured. I had a complete tear Ooh, in my left plural. 
And I had a partial tear in my right. Um, And, you know, the thing that was really kind of uh, scary was that when I went to my doctor, they took x-rays, they didn't see anything. And so I had already been home for a week. Um, So he said, you know, just rest and see how this goes. And then, you know, I was at home and then I fell uh, that second week. And I said, nah, something's not right. Something's not right. So I went back to my doctor. He wasn't there. I saw another doctor and he looked, he said, you know what? We need to get you over to orthopedics. They need to take a look at this because, you know, we need to get something done. It's not, you can have permanent damage. So I did that within a couple of weeks, you know, they had surgery. Um, the interesting thing about this was that it was outpatient. So I had the surgery and then it was like, okay, how am I going to get in the house? You know, how, how I can't walk. (laughs) So they took me to the hospital. So I was in the hospital for about two or three days. And then I finally, um, you know, my wife was able to get, you know, hospital bed and things like that. And then I was able to come on home. Um, but that was, you know, that was kind of scary and how they were going to do that. And even being in a hospital, um, you know, the nurses were great, but sometimes they're careless, you know, they're going, reaching over you and one almost was going to put her elbow on my knee, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and I'm looking and I said, you know, you you can't, what what are you doing? You know, (laughs) that's my leg. So must have been um, a bigger woman. It was just interesting. You know, sometimes people just don't notice what they're doing. But right, right. finally got home and, um, you know, got the leg braces off. And, you know, then it was just, you know, trying to walk and trying to bend, you know, your your legs again. And, you know, riding a stationary bike. You know, I was so happy once I could fully pedal. Um I mean, that was just, that was great. I, I just, I couldn't believe it. I can pedal. I can real I can ride a stationary bike now um, because it took a while to be able to do that, you know, because your legs, you know, they're, they're in a, uh, they're straight. And now you have to go back and you have to work to get the flexibility back in them and to bend them. And, and that's, that's not easy. And uh, so I had to work hard. I, you know, worked with the physical therapist Fortunately, they had been involved with, uh, with sports and they were tremendous, um, and getting me back, back on the field. And the first time I went, I went to Southwestern college during that season, which was 2001. And on Saturdays, I would go to Southwestern college on one of their fields to run, uh, because it's like, okay, I typically would be working football. So I got to be on the field here you know, getting back in shape so I can get back on the field. And it was like, you know, a, a horse trying to walk for the first time. Their, their, you know, their legs are going all over the place. Like you don't have any control over your body. You looking like a giraffe out there running? You know, yeah, I was. <laughs> just that just came, right. Just came out the womb. <laughs> yeah. But, so yeah. this, ha- so this Fortunately, happened. You know, nobody was there to see me. So <laughs> they didn't see that. So oh, this, man, this is pre fall to Califal, man. Right. You'll but, be a TikTok sensation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But now, now, Michael, I had, I've had the opportunity to meet your lovely wife a couple times, and she is mm-hmm. a sweetheart. But being a married guy, as Monty is too, how long were you in a hospital bed at home before she wanted to hit you upside the head because you was just asking for too much? 
I knew not to do that. Okay. <laughs> Beforehand. <laughs> so I never got to that point, you know, <laughs> I never I got to the, that point. I think the nurses at the hospital was prepping you when she put a leg hand right. on your head. Right. No, that's what your probably, wife would Probably do. so. <laughs> I, I would think, yeah, probably so. So I, I never got to that point, you know. But, you know, it was just, that was, you know, that was stressful, you know. Because, um, you know, I wasn't wasn't able to, to do things, you know. So when I was able to kind of get up and walk around, then, you know, I, I started, you know, trying to, you know, take care of some things and, you know fix things to eat and so forth. So, uh, but yeah, it was, it was very, very stressful. Um, and then there were some people with, in the, you know, rehab process, you know, a person said, I don't think you'll ever be able to run again, you know, and that, and that just really motivated me, motivated, motivated me more to prove that person wrong, you know, because you have people like that. And it's like, no, I'm an athlete. I'm going to get back on the field. And then I, I also knew there were officials out there saying, okay, well, Mike probably won't be back. That's an opening. <laughs> That's an opening. Hey, the, the vultures were circling, right? <laughs> hey, Mike. Hey, how you many? Were in the hey, air. Right. <laughs> we got the phone calls. Hey, Mike, just checking in on you. Yeah. <laughs> but, Michael, Still not yeah, walking, right? uh-huh. all yeah. this happened, you said, in 2001. That was just a year after that bowl game, right? So this is in the prime, right? Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. my goodness. So you just were, got things on. Were going, things were going very well. Very well. I, I was supposed to go to Europe that year. And, um, you wait, know, wait, so wait, I couldn't wait, go. Wait, 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 you wait. Know, wait, wait. Right. When you say Europe, we talk about NFL Europe, right? Correct. I was invited to go to NFL Europe that year. So I couldn't work. You know, oh. that's when they had the strike. You know? oh. and so I, I remember getting calls, you know, from NFL guys. Hey, hey, can you support us? And I said, you know, I have to worry about that because <laughs> I'm injured and I can't work. So you're fine. You know, <laughs> wow. I won't be crossing that line. Yeah. Right, right. You you want to keep most of your friends anyway, because there's still some people that ain't talking to each other after after that whole escapade. So. <laughs> No, you're right. Absolutely right. Right. A lot of friendships were broken as a result of the guys crossing and working. You know, so, it, and it wasn't worth it. it so wasn't that, worth it. Let's talk because people don't understand that. I, I had a conversation with my um, football crew about that. People crossing, and I, I let them know like if it ever happened again. I was told you're dead to us, Fredo. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like it, this is real serious. Like the, the no scab thing. Yeah, no, it is. It is. Well, when it we is. think about it, when, when we think about it, it's the only in, in, uh, union we have in our whole industry, right? So, I mean, that's the that's the power brokers for for all of us to uh, continue to progress in the, right. uh, the field. Right. Right. But but at that time, you had some of the NFL guys as supervisors. So, like, if if you if no. you even sniffed, no, not <laughs> not when the strike. That not when a strike happened, it wasn't. Oh. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mike. Uh, most of the NFL on-field guys became college supervisors after that. Right. It was after Uh-oh. that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, wow. It was after that. Yeah. Right. And that's something that you know, Mike. I think Mike Pereira was in charge of the NFL at the time, and he was contacting guys, you know, and, and 
to, hey, can you support us? Can you come in and, and, and help us out during the strike? And, you know, guys, guys did. And that was just a lot of them. That was the end of their career. You know, they right. never got back on the field, especially in NC2A, because you're right. Some of the NFL officials became supervisors. Mm-hmm. They knew who all those guys were and they were dead. Yeah. Right. They did not get an opportunity. And that's what really changed once majority of the supervisors became NFL um, officials on field officials, when they had to lock out uh, right. a few years after that, it was really like, yeah, if you want your, career to progress at all you weren't going to you know make that call and uh you, you somebody maybe called you but you said thank you but no thank you right right you weren't gonna you know only guys that knew that they would never have a chance to work took those opportunities right yeah, and we, we had some guys in the pack that did that um right. and they were just they were dead to those guys you know right. and, and some of those guys were had been really really close and after that, they never spoke again, which was really sad. Wow. But, wow. you know, you have to realize, you know, if you cross the union, what can happen? Right. And they just never thought that would happen. And it did. It did, unfortunately. Wow. Oh. Let's, <clears throat> let's get back to Mother Mothershed, though. You, you, recover from, you recover from your injury, and right. then you, you keep progressing along, and you get assigned – a BCS championship game. How was that experience? That was, that was fantastic. That was, that was great. Um, and this is how, really how it goes. I, I had a great year uh, in 2006 and it came down to the USC UCLA game and UCLA beat USC after looking at that, I said, you know what? I think, you know, the pack is going to have the national championship. And sure enough, we did. And sure enough, I got the call and from Burl Sorgan saying, Hey, Michael, you're being assigned to work the national championship. And I tell you, it was just, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, a a great experience. Great experience. Just the, the feelings that you have when you're, it was in uh, at uh, Phoenix okay. and at the uh, the new stadium that they had there, and it was it was fantastic. You know, just the treatment of you know how they they treat you, and you know the day of the game went early. You know, we took our families. We were able to take our families into the stadium, down on the field, you know, to kind of see what it was like, and you know, have that experience and share that with your family. I mean, it was just fantastic. Um, and the game wasn't much, but just the excitement of, of working a national championship game. And you got 72,000 people that are right, there right, right. and you know, you go, you know, you're coming out, you're bringing the captains and you see all these flickers, <laughs> you know, people with the <laughs> cameras lights. and taking bright lights. And it was just, wow, it was unbelievable. Um, and, was uh, mania you know, the still, thing right? that I, uh, no, he wasn't there. He wasn't there yet. Was that yep. leak or late? It was right Something before. Like he was. The- I, yeah, yeah, I can't think of his name, but Urban Meyer was the head coach there, and I can't think of who that the head coach was it, at uh, Ohio State. It was um, uh, Tressler. 
No, no, it was it was it, it, was, it was a brother. Now, it was a brother as a quarterback. Was well, I think what they? He's talking about the coach at yeah. Ohio State. Yeah. Oh, Ohio State. Leak and um, Tebow was splitting. Do- uh, what was his name? We got Google. Right. I'm looking right now. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of who the quarterback says was. Trestle. They tell you the opening kickoff, which you know you should always be prepared <laughs> for a run back. And and here comes you know Florida kicked off to Ohio State, and here comes Ted Ginn. And Ooh. he's coming my way. And it's right. like, you, you ever had that feeling that your legs are not moving? They're stuck in mud. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, my quads, my quads, my quads, my quads. Hey, did you think you had another quad injury? <laughs> <when you were? laughs> no, it's just, it's like, I can't move fast enough. And he just, he goes past me and it's like, ah, oh, crap, you know. Um, but uh, it, it was just you know, one of those things that happens and it's like anticipation. Okay. This guy is going to run this back. Let me make sure I beat him to the goal line before he gets, before he beats me. And, uh, but no, it wasn't, wasn't much of a game. Uh, Florida just, they were just extremely quick. They were fast, you know, a lot of gang tackling and, and it, it was just Ohio state could not run the ball at all, at all. They had their number for the entire night. And, um, but that was, you know, that, that was a great experience. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that. The, just the feeling, just the excitement. You know, you're looking at all the ESPN, you know, uh, sportscasters and you know, various personnel on the sideline, and you're saying, wow, you know, I'm here working this game. And this is so-and-so on the sideline a few yards from me. And, you know, and, and it's just unbelievable, just unbelievable. The excitement, you know, is just, it's hard to describe. It really is. Michael, you had the opportunity to work, you know, a uh, number of the what used to be the BCS uh, games, you know, the roles. Mm-hmm. Well, you may not have got a Rose Bowl just because of being in the pack at the time. But, you know, your Orange Bowls, the Rose Bowls, the Fiestas, the Sugar. And you talk about that experience and how they treated you. You, you took your wife. I know you've had opportunity to work big games like that afterwards. You know, you kind of talked about it earlier, how things have started to change and transition uh, the feel around uh, officiating. Is that treatment at uh, those bowl games changed? that you feel compared to that BCS national championship you were? Um, no, I, I think it's gotten better. You know, I, okay, I, I think it's gotten better. And, uh, you know, that's a good thing. I mean, they really, right. they take care of you. You know, they take you out to dinner. They do all those things. So I, I think the treatment of the officials has really gotten better, and 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 it should, you know, and it should you know continue to to improve and get you know better. And there's some things they probably can, you know, change. You know, if you're going to bring your uh, you know your wife or your you know significant other or what have you, you know, they should be able to pay for that person to attend as well. Sure. And uh, but I, I think you know the things they provide for you. Uh, are really nice, and I, and I think the um, I think the pay is is better, and uh, so yeah, it has gotten better. It really how, has. How was the swag bag for that BCS championship game? You get some goodies um, in there. It was okay. It wasn't bad. You know, I yeah. I, I still now I have a bottle of wine, you know, that they gave us, and uh, you know, I just I will ever will always keep that. I'll, I'll never open that. You know, so I, I do have some things I think that are that are great. And, uh, you know, having those mementos and to be able to look at those. And I have some photographs of, you know, some touchdowns that were scored. And I'm right there on the goal line. Um, 
those are the things that, you know, you look back and say, wow, this is, this is great. You know, it was great memories. They really are. They really are. So being doing the BCS championship, is that what got you into the San Diego sports hall of fame? Um, I think it added. Hold up, we got uh, a um, we got a Hall of Famer, baby. Eddie, humble. <laughs> Come on, you guys didn't do your homework, man. Um, uh, we had- <laughs> you know, <laughs> I did, Mister Mothership. <laughs> okay, I see that. I was very, very fortunate. You know, I I've been able to work various bowl games and. When they indicated that I was going to be honored, um, that was another um, highlight. Um, that's forever, you know. Uh, and to be able to, you know, be associated with the people that have uh, that are in the San Diego Sports Officials Hall of Fame, uh, I'm in with some great company, and uh, to have my name mentioned along with theirs, I mean, is really. Uh, I'm very humbled and grateful uh, to be a part of that. Hold up. So, how many people on the back of that plaque? How many? How many of the name the names of the people did you write on the back of that plaque who called you and like, hey, was like the vultures? Do you still remember the vultures when you was in the, in the hospital bed? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, everybody was really, you know, people were really nice. You know, I mean, they called and. You know, I just said, hey, you know, I hope you're doing well. You know, how's it coming along? Yeah. I know you remember some um, of the voices. Who uh, like, so, hey, uh, Ashante, now to tell you congratulations on your Hall of Fame. Like, hey, Ashante, you know talking like for for the geeks and nerds out there, like uh, Game of Thrones, that uh, Arya's list. Yeah, you, you know, you know, they're there. Uh, and I was very, I was fortunate because those individuals did not call me because they probably didn't want to say the say that. Say the wrong thing, but they, I had, they I had was going to call you call. in November after the season uh, yeah. was over. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so back in the Hall of Fame, um, you know, that year I went to the clinic. Pardon, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. Talk about the clinic. No, I, that year in, in uh, 2001, I went to our, our Pac-10 clinic. I, I even took the exam. You know. Um, and I remember official looking at me like, you crazy, you're not working and you're just going to take the exam. I said, you know, it was like insurance for future years, you know? Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I still felt a part, you know, of the pack. And, you know, I will say that the coordinator of officials, Burl Sorgan, you know, he called me a couple of times during the season. How are you doing? How are you coming along? And, you know, he didn't have to do that. You know, so I felt he genuinely, you know, was concerned about, you know, my recovery and uh, how I was doing. So it, it was nice to see that. It was really nice to see that. So not only were you uh, uh, there for the Sports Hall of Fame, but also one of the uh, the uh, referee for the first and only so far all black crew in the Pac-12 this past year, correct? That's true. That's true. Let's let's not jump too far now, though. Monty's oh, a let's jumper. not let's Monty's not let's not let's not jump. Let's, Monty, you, you just like jump like you know like it, we, we skipped. The, we right, went like, from two thousand and seven right, right until twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. No, that was two thousand seventeen. Was the Hall of Fame, bit, Monty? Yeah, because he 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 was grinding as a field judge, side judge. Okay. You know, observing great guy, great backpedaling, never getting beat. Sure. So how did you make that transition? 
to want to become a referee? How especially, did that process start? Especially, Michael, before before you give us that answer, because at the field judge at the time, you had no clock responsibilities. I mean, field judge was the place to be. It was, that was like it the was. zone, right? They ran the ball. Yeah, they only threw on third down. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I still think that's a great, great position. Um, I was, I was a receiver in high school, a receiver in college. So I love that interaction between the receiver and the defensive backs. I, you know, you have these receivers that are crying all the time. It's like, you know, you're going to have some contact. It's just part of the game, but you know, you, you look at, okay, you have different things, you know, little things that happen and, you know, you're not as, as quick, you know, uh, and nimble as you used to be. And so, you know, I started to think about that and said, you know what? Um, I, I really want to see if I can, you know, be a, uh, be a referee. And, um, so, you know, I, I started to, to look at that and I talked to Dave Kataya and, you know, obviously he, he liked what he saw, you know, there was potential and, um, you know, I got an opportunity and, you know, I would see Tony Carini from time to time and he would always look at me and he'd say, you know what? you need to be a referee. You need to talk to Dave Katai and tell him you need to be a referee. And, you know, I always had that support from Tony. And, um, you know, once I got to the position and got the opportunity, you know, I'm making the most of it um, because I think it's, it's very important uh, to do that. And I want to see more of us, you know, more people that look like me to become referees. You know, it's uh it's not an easy job, but there are people that want to see us out on the field and wearing that white cap. And that is, that is so, so important. It's so important. I think, I think I hate to say it, but Mr. Mother said to see you with that white hat on, it's like a position. It's different because you telling me you was another position. I only see you as a referee. So so I know you had yeah. that command of on the field when you, whatever position you were, you had that leadership responsibility or in demeanor, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it, it had to show then. So, and, um, yeah. and also as you transition, how did you like your, your leadership and all this correspond to that? To well, being- you know, what was, what was interesting was that, you know, I had been in you know, management positions uh, in various jobs and, um, you know, you kind of learn how to treat people and, you know, and working with some of the various referees, you know, there are things I like, things I don't like. And, you know, I, I'm not a, um, a type A personality and I, I'm very, uh, I guess, more participative, getting everybody to kind of buy into the program. And if everybody buys in and they want to do well as a group, I think you'll be able to accomplish those goals. And I've been able to have some good officials um, on my crew. Um, and they all want to get better. We all strive to get better. And I, and I think that that makes the most, um, for that helps everybody to get better. You have a little pressure on each other, you know, to striving to improve, striving for perfection. And, you know, I've had, I, I had a good replay crew. I had the opportunity to have Fred Gallagher and, and Chuck Zubin. And those are old school guys. And, and they didn't mince words. Yeah, right. They would tell us right. how we looked <laughs> on the field. Right. You guys look like crap. You guys need to get your, your, you know, your rear ends together, you know, and it's just, 
You need that. You need somebody that's going to be honest with you. And they would tell us, hey, it played well. You know, uh, you guys have some things you need to work on, but you guys are getting better. And that was with everybody, you know, from me, from the referee down to, you know, the umpire, the back judge. And, you know, you need that. You absolutely have to have that feedback because you see so much up in the press box. How a crew moves. Are they efficient on their penalty enforcement? Uh, are they hesitant? Is an official hesitant in doing this? How do they, you know, work with the coaches and their their demeanor and all that kind of stuff you can see from the press box and getting that feedback helps a crew tremendously. And I, I don't know if other crews use replay that way, but that's the way I have used replay and it has helped us tremendously as a crew. What was the feeling like different getting that first postseason assignment as a crew treat? crew chief and referee compared to the first postseason assignment is just on field. You got more responsibility, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, everybody, you know, you have meetings to go to, you know, you you go to the the pregame meeting with, you know, with TV there and everybody's there. And then you, you look on the agenda and it has referee and, you know, you have some things to talk about. It's like, wow, you know, I just thought I was going to be able to sit and <laughs> listen to everybody else and what they were going to do. So, you know, you, you have more responsibility. Um, and, you know, that was, that was different. Uh, it was a bowl game. Now you're not necessarily working with your crew. You got other guys that you're working with. You know, can you pull these guys together to work a great ball game? And sometimes you have the chemistry, sometimes you don't. Yeah, I'm used to my umpire giving me certain information. And I'm going to tell this umpire, this is what I need. If we have a penalty, I need you to let me know right away what the result of the play is. Well, you get that on a couple of penalties, and then you don't get it anymore. And it's like, okay, so now it throws you off your game because you're expecting that. And so it, it, it's it's different. It's different. Um and I think you just have to have, you know, pre-games where you can cover everything and let people know what you expect and just hopefully they will do what you expect them to do and they communicate the way you want them to communicate. And I think that's important, but sometimes it just doesn't, you know, doesn't, doesn't come together like you want it to. Hold up. I thought you said you wasn't a type A personality. You just described type A personality. <laughs> um, I mean, just but but to a certain extent, <laughs> you you do have to lay the the, the groundwork. Uh, now there are there are some of the referees that are definitely you know type A because they want things this way, they want them that way. Hey, I want you to come, and if you know I drop my flag, I throw my flag, and I want when I'm done, I want you to ha- pick it up for me and hand it to me. I don't want to have to bend down over and pick it up. I'm not that way. I throw a flag, I can pick my flag. Okay. Right. So there, there, there is, are you, there are is you one difference. of those referees that you, you can't touch the ball either? Like the ball got the cooties on it. Uh, you know, I have touched the ball a couple of times <laughs> and I'm looking at it and it's like, you know what? Uh, I don't need to be in this. <laughs> she was a wide receiver <laughs> involved in the handling of the ball. Yeah. I know that, you know, and I had, you know what? I had great hands. And back then, 
we didn't wear gloves, okay? Well, <laughs> so you it, was that body. where that if finger you, came from? Good hands, it showed. <laughs> so, so, so is yeah, that, we don't. Can we, we didn't wear gloves you, like they do now. <laughs> can you talk to you about how? Uh, what happened to the finger? Since you're talking about that, is that okay? <laughs> talk about hands. Since you talk about hey, that's hands. football. That's Hold football. Up. That's a meme. Those are it's all that. that's. Yeah, that's football. That's, that, that's that, all them years of catching with no gloves. That that. Yeah, you some, know what? Some, My little finger. Too hard. Uh, it's, <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes that happens, but no. My little finger on my left hand. Um, you know, I caught a touchdown pass when I was a junior in high school, and I go to the sideline and I look and I said, "God, coach, look at my finger." You know, and so I just kind of try to put it back in place and tape it up, and taped it up. But you know, that's just you know that's what happens when you know you play real football and you don't wear gloves. You know. <laughs> you know. That's one of those. I went to school twenty miles all uphill, both ways, wide, both, one <laughs> both way. ways. And it snowed in San Diego, and I had to walk yeah. in the snow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so, Michael, uh, you talk about uh, you know the the I won't even say the pressure of people wanting to see uh, a black face in a red, in a white hat. Uh, how, how did you feel uh, when you were? Uh, chosen as the assignment to be on that all black crew? Um, you know, it, it, it really was an honor. Um, it, it really was. And, you know, it was, it was a great opportunity. Um, and, you know, I remember telling someone, you know, you're out on the field and others that look just like you. And it's like, wow, I, I just, I can't, I can't believe this. This is just unbelievable you know, uh, for a pack 12 crew to have everybody look like me that's working. And, you know, it was, it was a great thing. I mean, we had good, you know, solid officials and I think some people, you know, didn't really understand the significance of that, sure, um, sure, sure. but it, it was, it, it was significant. And uh, it was important because we're not always in an environment where we're working a game and everybody looks like us. That's rare. Um, and it's important. It's important for people on TV to, to have seen that, um, and, and to see people who look like them and they will say, you know what, you know, I want to be an official, you know, those officials had an impact on me and, you know, it told me that that's something that I can do if I want to be an official. And, uh, I, I think that's, you know, I think that's great. I, I think we need more people of color in football. We do. It's, really it's, it's funny when, when you talk about that, Mike. I don't know if you remember, you and I worked a game probably three, four years ago. We were um, in Pullman, and right before right, kickoff, right, right. right before kickoff, you say to me, like, man, Cravon, wow, you recognize this? And I'm like, what? And I'm like, there's five brothers on this crew. This has yeah. never happened. All my right, years right. in the Pac 12. <laughs> <laughs> this has never right, happened. Right. It was five brothers. Yeah. But yeah. only right though. It never happened in the Pac twelve. It might have happened in the Pac ten. Right? No, it didn't happen. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. No. It didn't happen then. Mm -mm. Okay. No. Yeah, no. But you know what? I, and and Craven, speaking of that game, you know, you know what we didn't do? We never took a photo. 
No, no we should have taken. A we should have taken a photo. We didn't. Yeah. We did not. Yeah. Because that's that, that's that's a memory, man. That's sure. that's right. a memory. You know. Right. And, yeah. Because I, I that was huge. That yes. was huge. You know. But yeah. I think, I, I think though, Mister Mother said you point out that I remember you you um evaluating, and I remember you coming up to me. And I saw when you, before you even walked to him, I was like, "Man, that's Mister, that's Michael Mothershed right there." <laughs> Is this and before it, or after he gave you an IC? Nah, nah. <laughs> it wasn't. He was, he was talking to me. He said he basically said I didn't look good because I was turning, I was turning and running. He was like, and he gave me some of the best advice, and and he walked away and didn't say anything to me again. And I was like, I don't know if I did good or bad or impressed him. He must have like. Move to the line of scrimmage. I'm really sorry to see that, man, because, you know, um, you know, deep is really, you know, it's, it's, it's important. You got to stay in the game. And um, I, I just, that's a position I love. I, I really I do. Love but it you're too. more, but you got to go where your opportunities are and you got to yeah. go where your chances are best to move up. You really yeah. do. That's a great, it wasn't. Great it was just an opportunity, but listen. then, like I said, to, from that moment, then to potentially be working with you was like, wow, this is a, almost a nice thing. And like you said, just your leadership capabilities. Because some people, um, even during this pandemic, are over zooming, and yeah. you have this refreshing take. I was just shocked. I was like, I thought I was missing something. I was telling Craven, like, I haven't got any anything. What's going on? <laughs> I was overly paranoid. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, I wanted to. I wanted to say, you know, hey, just settle down. You know, when it gets closer, I'll, I'll send you in for me. <laughs> I don't want you to forget. You know, and uh, I mean, hopefully, I did that, and I started sending stuff right away, and you know, it, it started coming. But um, no, it, it will. Uh, I think you'll have uh, a, a great opportunity to see, you know, a crew how they work, uh, and you'll be able to observe on the sideline. And and you know what. I want your feedback. I uh, want you. What do you see on the sideline that can be helpful to the crew? So I want you to tell us, you know, at some point, if you don't feel like telling everybody else and, you know, we can talk, but I want you, you know, to give us feedback. Hey, you, you guys did a good job here. I, no, I think you can do a better job over here doing this because that's important. I am not, you know, uh, a person that, you know, um, I, I want to accept feedback that's going to make me better yeah i am not that great person who does no wrong and gets everything right that's not true so if there's something that hey michael i think you can do this probably a little bit better and i think it'll 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 help your game out let me know you know michael so, michael uh, let, me, let me tell you something and and monty can agree with me Ashante is usually the hardest person on the show, but this whole show, because he got a game coming up with you, he been talking about Mr. Mothership oh, and so on. He ain't been Great cracking guy. that many jokes. Great guy. So after, after, this, after this game is over, he just going to be just bright, bright eyes and bushy tail. He ain't saying nothing. Y'all was great. Y'all was great. It was The referee fantastic. might need to touch the I ball more, Craven. I was great. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Might say it. It. But no. I, I, I'm no, I'm, I'm serious. I just you, you're going to see things, and you're going to say, you know, God, yeah, I think you guys could could have done a better job on that play, you know, or you know, your announcement could have been a little better. And um, yeah, don't count I welcome on that. It. I welcome that. Don't count yeah. on it. 
Just messed up. Mr. Mothershed, it was so great for the opportunity. Yeah, but, but if he does that, then I know he's lying. Yeah. <laughs> he's the biggest critic I know of my life yeah. is that man right there. Yes. So as, as we close out, you know, we like to keep it loose and everything when it comes to the unofficial lounge. So I have one question as you being a referee. Is there a number of pets you gonna give to the mic before you turn on, make your announcement? Do you do you have a countdown in your head of the number of pets before you? No, turn I don't on think the mic? I do that. I don't think I do that. You know, I I just I go and I I flip it on, and I give my announcement. Um, you, you know, I I think the thing that you 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 have to understand, I have two buttons. I have one for the O two O, and I have one for the mic. And I am constantly feeling those things to make sure that they're in their off position. <laughs> I, have been, I have been known to leave my mic on and then blow my whistle. <laughs> and, you know, the press box has said, hey, hey, your, your, your mic's on, you know. So I, I don't, I can't remember all that stuff. Now I've got to pat it. Now I'm just going to turn this thing on, say what I have to say, and then turn it off. And I've been very fortunate that, you know, I, I turn it on and I'll say, you know, timeout or what have you, uh, TV timeout. And then I have to, I'm talking to Roscoe and all of a sudden I realize, wait a minute, let me turn this thing off. Let me check to make sure it's off because I don't want to say anything, oh, you gosh. know, with it on. So I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm constantly just feeling you know, the toggle switch to make sure it's in the off position. Off position. Man. Yeah. Can't can't say nothing more to this. No, Hold no, up. you know, cause Man. we we got we got we got the mouth of Shante so quiet because he's so nervous, you know. No, I'm not. You know, he's, I'm, he's I'm trying to be so he's so he's so scared right now. So we're gonna give scared. him such a hard time, boy. You, you, boy, you know you don't want to do too much in front of your boss. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, hey. So hey, hey, uh, Ashante, we are a crew, and I want you to know you're a vital part of that. So you're you're a crew member, you know, on my crew, and I look forward to having you and working with you. So uh, I just want you to a, know that y'all have an early kickoff, right, Mike? Michael? No, seven seven, seven. o'clock. Oh, yeah, it's a Friday game, you know. Okay. So I, I'm sure that Ashante likes that. It's a game during the week. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> right. After coming coming back from a flight and all this. So I, I was thinking like, man, this, the grass is not always greener. It's great mm-hmm. to be on these flights and in airports, but it's like, I just landed Sunday. So I got to fly out Thursday. Yeah, I think you'll be okay. You won't mind it. You I think you'll be okay. When, nah. when that, when that, when that, when that <laughs> <when I get laughs> come through, you ain't going to be right, saying right. nothing. Right. I don't do it for the money. Right. I do it. I do it for you know what I'm saying, just to get. Yeah, better. but you'll look at that one and you'll say, "Oh, this is pretty nice." <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not about the check. Sometimes man. it's about the love of the game. I give back for the kids. Yeah, so, we know. We know what's real. <laughs> Michael, last, last, last question before we close out here, and it's one I'm gonna I'm gonna steal from my partner here that Monty usually asks. What would you tell the young Michael Mothershed about officiating? if you can go back and talk to the young Michael Mothershed? Um, you know, I, I really can't say be patient because I, I think I was patient. I would say get in the rules more and, and have a better understanding. Um, and I tried that 
And I, I did that, but I think getting with someone to ask those stupid questions, you know, so that you understand why we do it this way. What's the reasoning behind these rules? Um, and I think that that helps a lot. And uh, that's the one thing that I, uh, that I would tell uh, a young Michael Mothershed. Get in the rule book, write things down, ask questions. Why do we do this? Why are we doing this rule? You know, is it safety, you know, and the enforcement? And just having a better grasp of that, of that I think that, that's important. That's important. Is it true? Once you put the white hat on, you become you become more of a knowledgeable of the TV rules as opposed to the NCAA rules. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, you're just aware. You're aware of certain things, um, and you're aware of how it looks. Gotcha. And you know who was in, who was instrumental in teaching us that, and that was Tony and Carl Cheffers. Those guys were good about telling us, "Hey, you need to." You know, if you're going to pick up a flag, pick it up and say why you're picking it up. Um, and if you're going to say, okay, um, we have an illegal block in the back, it's a 10-yard penalty, first down. You don't always say where because if you're wrong, TV is going to pick it up. <laughs> so there are things you say and things you don't say. And right. if you look at some of the NFL referees, watch how they say things. You know, we got a 15, you got a personal foul, 15 yards. They don't say where it's from. Yeah, because TV is going to look if they say, well, it's going to be from the previous spot or the spot of the foul. You know what? They're a yard off. They didn't go from where they said they were going to go. So they are more vague. And that's one of the things that um, I think is, is important to do at certain times. But then there are times when you really want to be specific, uh, but you want to make sure that you're right because TV will look at those things. And they listen yeah. to what the referee oh, yes. says. And I listen to, I, I go back and I listen to what they say. And I had a referee, I had an announcer who said, yeah, they're going to place the ball at the 51 yard line. And it's like, what? There's no a 51 yard line. What do we do? No, that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. No. What? Yeah. All right. So, uh, but yeah. that's good. Are you going to get into under review, Monty? Uh, no, we're okay. We no, we got, up? he got one that we've never, we forgot to ask him on this. And this what we'll end on this note. What's your career accomplishment that made you the most proud? Um, you know, I really would say being um, a referee in the Pac-12. Um, I, I think that is something that, um, um, you know, being a person of color and being a full-time referee, I don't think the Pac-12 ever had that. Um, and to me, that's that's an accomplishment. And it means a lot to me, but I have seen what it means to others and others by, by the way of going to SC uh, and seeing how they knew when I was a, a Phil judge and now I'm wearing a white hat, going to the Rose Bowl and having Pasadena police officers escort me out and they're people of color too and their chests are just sticking out and they are so proud and, and that I just wow, this is huge. You have no idea how big this is. And they're just proud to see that. And I actually was able, I saw one of those officers in the LA airport and he's sitting there saying, Hey, aren't you an official? You know? And it was like, he remembered, right. you know, he right. knew who I was 
And, you know, I just realized that it means an awful lot to us to see advancement and, and how far we've come. And, you know, it's just, it, it's amazing. And it's like, um, this is bigger than what you think it is. It really is. Wow. I will we definitely cannot say- close out any better than that. <clears throat> Michael Mothershed, we really appreciate your time. You joined us on the unofficial lounge, getting to know you a whole lot better, doing our research on the fly to find out you are a Hall of Famer. Next time we have to uh, send you a, a black jacket. We can't send you a gold one. We'll send you a black one. <laughs> <laughs> with, the, with the big unofficial lounge stuff on it. Yeah. <laughs> Rock it in your Hall of Fame picture for us. You know, we, we, we need some more advertisements, some more listeners. So we really okay. appreciate your time and you jumping on with us and um, joining us on the show. And just thank you so much for all that you do and uh, continued success, Mr. Mothershed. No, I, appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me. And uh, it's been great. I just uh, wish that uh, Ashanti could have uh, asked a few more questions. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, we got next season. I'll have some more dirt. <laughs> all right. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. Join us for the next episode of the Unofficial Lounge. We've got newly retired NFL umpire Ruben Fowler. Officiating was more than just 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 calling fouls, you know, and stuff and everything. Officiating was 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 had a lot of more to do with communication and 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 and, and stuff and everything. But now because of grading, everything's based on no call correct call thank you for listening to this episode remember to please like and subscribe as the unofficial lounge is available on all your podcast streaming outlets including apple google spotify and anchor we look forward to you joining us next time in the unofficial lounge